I'm Jessica, and this is Homecoming, Finding Yourself in Life's Little Moments. So, dear listener, I want to share with you something that has been really a life-enhancing, life-healing moment of deep revelation and reconciliation and ultimately love. So you see, when I came to Australia a few years ago, it was really to start a new life. And a person doesn't always sort of (laughs) choose to do that at an older age, you know, people do that when they're younger, but not so much when you're a little bit on in years, as they say. But I came through, you know, customs with 100 pounds of luggage, and I began anew. The truth is that I didn't have a lot of connection with the people with whom I'd been closest back in my life before, including family. Though so that was, you know, a kind of painful reality for me amidst this dramatic and change. So it was really a circumstance that resulted in the fact that as I began to live here, 11,000 miles from the place from which I was born and raised and also where I was um, near where I was living prior to coming, the Northeast United States, I didn't know, you see, if my mom was still alive. I didn't know these last couple of years if she was still on this earth. And so that was a sort of twofold experience of irresolution. It was an emotional lack of resolution and completion and wholeness. And it was also an existential one because I didn't know if she still occupied the same plane of existence as I do and did. So I walked around with this kind of sense of irresolution. And I didn't really realize the extent to which that was something of a burden that I carried and bore and, I guess, compensated for in different ways. Often I think I tried not to think about it. I think that's the key, you know, for me. I just didn't really, I didn't think about it. I tried not to think about it. And that was some way of coping with that fact. My mom loved piano music. She was a pianist. And so, you know, the music of Claude Debussy was among her favorites. The music is something that we shared. I think she gave me the gift of music in many ways. But anyway, all these years hence, the situation that I just described to you was the case. And... Unfortunately so, tragically so, I would think, you know, dear friends, that this is not necessarily as an uncommon experience as we might think. Maybe it is somewhat uncommon. But that feeling and experience of estrangement and lack of closure and completion and completeness is something that people experience in different ways in their lives a lot. So that was the case for me, as
as I began this new life here on the other side of the world in Australia. I went on here, you know, these past few years since moving here with that kind of silent burden in my being until one night, quite unexpectedly, about two weeks ago, I went out, and I live not far from the ocean, so there's a nice thing about going out at night because you hear the waves, and there are not so many people around. The feeling of expanse is greater, and the air is fresher, <laughs> which I like. So... Most of the cafes where I live here close at four or five, which is always a quizzical thing to me because that's really the point when you need them. <laughs> I mean, at least I need them, maybe most people, but that's when they close because they usually open at six or seven in the morning, which is not when I need them. <laughs> but anyhow, the one cafe that's open is, um, is Starbucks, right? good old Starbucks, and maybe that's because it's American and so on and so forth and kind of based on a different model, but they're open until at least 8 in the evening. So I went there. And when I walked in, I ordered a cup of peppermint tea, went to find a seat, not many people there. And there was a young woman standing um, near sort of where the napkins and the serviettes, which is what they call them here, and um, stirs and all that stuff, you know, that little station. She was standing near there, and she her back was turned to me. She was kind of tall, and I saw that she was cradling something. And so that made me a little bit curious because she was clearly cradling it with a lot of affection and it wasn't very big, whatever it was. So I moved around to the front of her and as I did, she turned towards me and then I saw that she was cradling a little puppy, an adorable little puppy. Puppies are funny little creatures. I think maybe all little beings are, but puppies can be especially adorable because they don't exactly look like miniature versions of what they'll become later. They look delightful, and maybe all little living things, little living things, are made to look delightful so that we naturally want to care for them. So she was cradling this little puppy and had that fuzzy little head and these big brown eyes, and it kind of had this wiry, little bit of sort of wiry, fluffy, little wiry fur, dark brown and black. I asked her, what kind of, what kind of puppy is that? And she said, well, it's an Australian terrier. I mean, it was adorable. I said, oh, is it a he or a she? I wanted to get it right. And the young woman said, it's a she. So I said, oh, that's lovely. And I said, oh, what's your puppy's name? And she said, 
her name is Rue. And I said, Rue? That's interesting. That was the nickname from my mom and had been for decades. I have no idea how we got to call my mom Rue, but anyway, there it was. But there I was standing in Starbucks speaking to this woman and admiring and delighting in her little puppy. So I looked at the puppy and said, Hi, Rue. Hi, Rue. And that puppy came to life, dear friends, in a way that I'm going to have a difficult time describing to you. It fixed on me. Its eyes met mine in a way that was beyond human and dissolved any separation between us. That little puppy was looking at me with the most intent determination. And its little tail, this tiny little tail, began to wag furiously. And it was sort of, it it popped out from underneath the elbow of this woman and it was there wagging furiously as this puppy looked at me with its big brown eyes. And the woman said, oh my gosh, look at how animated she is, how happy she is with her little tail wagging. And I said, yes. So I bid her adieu and went into the bathroom and looked in the mirror and realized that that was my mom come to me. When that kind of thing happens, dear friends, you see, you cannot explain why exactly you know but you do. And I just marveled. In the depths of my heart, I marveled. I left Starbucks and walked home and called a friend, a really good friend of mine, because I felt very affected by what had happened. And that, I have to say, is often a sign is that you know that something has happened. And I said to my friend, I said, I think the spirit of my mom just came to me. And she's a really sensitive person. And we this is something that we often share, I mean, this kind of dimension of life. And she said, you know, I think you're right. I think you're right. Because what I began to feel as the minutes and hours and days unfolded after that was peace. And it was not a kind of peace that, how can I say this? 
The peace came upon me. It came upon me from this experience. And there were two things that I knew in my heart that I didn't know before or feel or understand. One is that my mom has passed over. And two, that she loves me. And that she loved me from the very beginning. From the moments of my earliest gestation and prior. It's one continuous fact that love and despite all the difficulties and despite all the challenges and despite all the hardships that love actually never changed it's hard to explain this dear friends because there's something so paradoxical about it that you can't get your mind around it. You can't put the two realities together. What if someone, you know, let's say is in such pain that, I don't know, all these things happen. And here I was all those years hence, on the other side of the world, not knowing if she was alive. And then this thing happened and I realized in that moment and in the subsequent hours and days and now weeks that have unfolded, that there is absolutely no doubt that my mom loves me with every part of her. And she has loved me from the very beginning. And that love is unalloyed, unalloyed. It's not diluted with anything. It's absolutely simple and true and real and enduring and it endures to this moment now. And I feel it. So I began to feel something, you see, that I've never felt before and I certainly had not been feeling in these past years. And one was this feeling of completion and the other was this feeling of peace, of wholeness, of rest, like something now has been righted in the world and in me and in my life and in my cells and in my psyche and in my heart and my mind and in every part of my being, all of which are so connected that they're just one thing. Everything now is at rest. So last night, I was with friends and we were discussing some of these wonderful sorts of things about life and what happens to people when we pass. You know, it was at a local church here. We were sitting and talking. I was talking about this 
experience because we were musing to ourselves. It's a wonderful opportunity, you know. We were just musing about these things, about these big questions about, like, well, what happens when people pass? And what happens if they've lived a difficult life or, say, never believed that there was something bigger than us, you know? Or is there heaven, you know? Is there not? You know, what, what is it? I said, I want to share a story because something has given me a clue about some of the answers to those questions. And I told them the story that I've just shared with you now. And as I did, I realized that we cannot know in advance what's possible when any of us passes, is miraculous and is miraculously healing to those of us who are still alive. And even if someone never really had anything that we would call faith, which my mom really, I don't think she did, in this earthly plane, that all changes. It transmogrifies Something happens that is so miraculous and so huge and so fundamental and so all-transforming that everything is then kind of essentialized to who one really is. And in the case of my mom, who she really is and who she really was and who she continues to be now as I'm even speaking these things to you, is the feeling of love, the feeling of love. People pass and yet are here with us. So last night I went to bed with all of this on my heart and mind, and I slept really well, having shared all of this with these friends, you know, and delighting in our conversation. And I went to bed and I woke up with a really interesting dream. So I'm a musician, as you know, <laughs> a pianist, and I've listened to some of the most wonderful music. I've been blessed to have been born into an era in which some of the most wonderful music was written in the late 60s and 70s. I mean, it was an inventive era. And that wonderful inspiration has given rise to my music, buoyed my spirits, kept me going, all of that. I delight in those rhythms and harmonies and all of it, you know, and have now for a long time. So I find those things to be really at the heart of who I am. And one of the great singer-songwriters of that period was the inimitable Joni Mitchell. She was a songwriter who could spin melodies and 
stories, like very few. And she constantly reinvented herself over the period of her career, going from folk to rock to jazz, you know, melding all of those together. I mean, she's a phenomenon. So last night in my dream, she was in my dream. It was very interesting because one of her great inspirations, her great inspirations, was a jazz composer and musician named Charles Mingus, African-American. Magnificent presence in the music world and influence, and he influenced her. She did a whole album dedicated to him. In this dream last night, he's well on in years, well on in years, and she's there with her beautiful, long, flowing blonde hair, and he's sort of hunched in a chair, this knit beanie cap on his head, his wiry black hair kind of shoning through, and his face, this soft, brown, beautiful. And he's there clearly towards the end of his life, and she's standing over him with an enormous amount of love in her. And she bends over, and she touches her lips to his head, and she says to him, I love you so much, it hurts. I love you so much, it hurts. And dear friends, as I'm watching this in my dream, which didn't feel like a dream, there are times when that's the case, feels far more real and present and true and important. I felt the transmission of music go from him to her, that her love, that that kiss to his head as he was there in the chair, quiet and nearing the end of his time, that that kiss was the transmission of his music to her. It was the love of her receiving that music in her life. It was the kiss of life, of music and of love, and it was so real. It wasn't just a kiss. It was like something was transmitted through it, like a filament was there between the two of them, and she received and expressed and received the gift of his music to her. And in that dream, I knew that it was so important that in the dream, I picked up my recorder and knew I had to make a podcast about it in the dream. And that's what I woke up with, knowing I had to make a podcast about that. And knowing too, dear friends, and feeling that I dreamt that because in some self-same way, that dream had everything to do with my mom. It had everything to do with 
that kiss of love. The last time I saw my mom, I touched her head and I kissed her head and said, I love you. So that's what I dreamed. And she probably more than anyone gave me the gift of music for so many reasons. So that kiss is, that was it. That was the kiss of life and of love and of music. And I can feel it now as I tell you this. I can feel it now. It defies everything. It is unalloyed. It is singular. It is a direct connection between she and I. As it was in that dream between Charles Mingus and Joni Mitchell, it was as if my soul was giving me a illustration of what I was experiencing with my mom. It was, as I said, the self-same thing, that love is one, the music is one, and that connection is one thing, and it never changes. And it may become apparent after a person passes, which only goes to show any of us that there's no separation between the side and the other. It is one thing. And those we love, love us with a love that is deeper and wider and broader and truer and whole and real. So, dear friends, with that, I will bid you adieu. Thank you for listening. The music that you'll hear at the end is Claude Debussy's Claire de Lune, The Light of the Moon. And my mom loved Debussy. And she'd always say to me, Jess, you play that so beautifully. You play that like no one else. So I hold that in my heart as I share that music and all of this with you. Take good care. Okay. Bye for now. Bye.